The development of COVID vaccines has been a breakthrough in a lot of ways. They're the fastest vaccines ever created. And two of them also use a new technology called mRNA. Before last year, therapies that used mRNA were considered experimental. But now that mRNA has proven highly effective in COVID vaccines, there's hope the technology could be used for more. So we called up a scientist who's believed in the power of mRNA for a long time, Dr. Oslam Terechi. She's the chief medical officer of BioNTech, which she co-founded with her husband. Last year, they made a COVID vaccine with Pfizer. We talked to her about that vaccine and the potential that mRNA could be used to fight other diseases, like cancer. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, April 19th. Coming up on the show, Dr. Oslam Terechi on what's next for mRNA. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight. Live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. Late last year, we talked to your husband, Dr. Zahin, right before the BioNTech vaccine got emergency use authorization from the FDA. And he said at that time, this was November, that he was too nervous to think about how he would celebrate. So now I'm curious to know, how did you all celebrate? We celebrated briefly. Uh, we do this in general with drinking tea and uh, sitting down to catch our breath. However, because the mission really was and still is to uh, supply a global population with vaccine, because every one of us is only protected if each individual person is protected, we will stay busy for the next couple of months, I think. That celebration, in some ways, wasn't just about the COVID vaccine. It was about the success of mRNA. Oslam's interest in mRNA started decades ago, while she was treating cancer patients. So the interest in cancer, that was basically in med school, where I understood that uh, cancer is a huge challenge and difficult to treat, but also a space in which when you understand the mechanisms, you should be able to make a difference. And uh, this is why I decided to become an oncologist after med school. And being on wards and treating patients, it became even more obvious to me that in principle, there could be so much more we could be able to offer to cancer patients if we would be able to translate what we learned in science instantaneously in treatments. So you saw a need in cancer wards. Why did you think mRNA would change the game in cancer treatment? 
mRNA sort of was the second layer. The first layer was that I thought understanding the immune system and using mechanisms of the immune system against cancer would be the best way to go. Because cancer is very adaptable, it finds ways to escape treatments, and the only equally flexible and adaptive system which has been optimized over uh, millions of years of evolution is the immune system. So that was a very important first epiphany. Her second epiphany had to do with mRNA and how it could be used to harness the immune system to fight cancer. That promise led her and her husband to found BioNTech in 2008. But it turns out Oslem's first mRNA product to come to market wouldn't be for cancer. It would be for COVID. And that meant the company had to pivot. We did this because we understood that developing a vaccine in a pandemic situation would be a duty for immune engineers because it's really about communicating with the immune system and doing this with most high-tech and best and precise means you can get. And by working in the cancer field, we had basically trained exactly this, namely to communicate with the immune system and do it in the most optimized way. And there's a sense of urgency uh, due to the emerging pandemic. And all this made it somehow very organic to make this pivot to focus on COVID. Their COVID vaccine was the first to get emergency approval in the U.S. and has been distributed since December. But at the same time, the virus has continued to mutate. There are emerging variants of COVID around the world. Do they make you nervous? They don't make me nervous because this is not unexpected. A virus which replicates by infecting people who don't have immunity against the virus will mutate. And uh, the good news here is that this virus is at the lower end of the mutation rate. It does not mutate as fast as others we know. Are you working on booster shots? And do you expect that we will need COVID vaccine booster shots every year? We are working on booster shots. We cannot answer yet how frequent booster shots are needed. We would assume that once a year or every 18 months could be the case. Uh, however, we need to understand how long immune responses we generate by a prime boost vaccination, meaning with two injections, how long they last. We see and we expect that there is a waning of immune responses and we need to collect the data in order to understand when it is at a level where the participants in our studies or in the immunization campaigns would benefit from a booster. One issue facing AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson has been blood clotting. And the mRNA vaccines produced by BioNTech and Pfizer and Moderna have not experienced that. What does that say to you? 
Does it say something about mRNA technology or something about COVID? We don't have sufficient data and understanding to answer this question. We are obviously very interested in getting an even better understanding of potential adverse event profile and the safety of mRNA vaccines, in particular our vaccine. And with regard to our mRNA vaccine, with more than 200 million people having been vaccinated in the rollouts. Until now, we can confirm that we do not see signals which point towards thrombotic or embolic incidents, which is good to know. Does the success of mRNA for COVID vaccines suggest to you that mRNA will be used more widely in vaccines generally? The entire experience of the vaccine development over the last year, I think, supports and has promoted mRNA as a platform, which definitely has a place in development of preventive infectious disease vaccines, because we could show that vaccine development is very fast with mRNA. It's a very precise platform. It is very adaptable so that we can think about boosters and adaptations to variants. So all these learnings definitely promote you using mRNA vaccines also for future pandemics. mRNA has proven to be a great technology for COVID. But what about for cancer? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. What does the success of your COVID vaccine mean for your cancer treatments? It means that many of those steps that we went through them in an accelerated mode because they were part of this pandemic vaccine development, which means that we can carry them back. This expertise, this insight based of data, these educations about what RNA vaccines are and how they can be handled in regulatory terms, all this can be now carried back to our cancer vaccine development and will help to do the next steps 
faster, based on more data and with stakeholders also being better informed about risk-benefit profiles of RNA vaccines. There are some key differences between BioNTech's COVID vaccine and its cancer treatment, which they also call a vaccine. One, the cancer vaccine isn't preventative. It's for people who already have cancer. And two, the cancer vaccine is custom-made for each individual. We have several studies ongoing in this area, which means that we are generating highly personalized vaccines for individual cancer patients, which basically means for each and every patient who is treated in those clinical trials, which we started already seven years ago, we first decipher the genetic information of this patient's cancer, use this genetic information to design a cancer vaccine, which is of unique composition. Every patient gets a different one and rush this vaccine back to the patient after a very fast design manufacturing turnaround time in order to treat them. We need in average four to five weeks to generate a vaccine for an individual patient. And we have gone through this process many, many times. How do you think BioNTech's cancer vaccine would change the fight against cancer? The fight against cancer is a fight which needs combination treatments because cancer is a very complex disease, as I said. And uh, immune therapies, in particular cancer vaccines, will become a cornerstone, is my expectation, of such combination treatments because they allow to leverage the patient's immune system and its power of precisely recognizing cancer cells, its adaptability, and also its potency. What is the timeline for a cancer vaccine using mRNA? It's difficult to predict as long as you don't have a randomized phase 2 data. We are in randomized phase two trials right now. I would say uh, a couple of years from now. Beyond cancer, what other mRNA vaccines are you working on for other diseases? We are working on mRNA-based approaches in autoimmune diseases. We have shown in preclinical models that you can use mRNA not only to induce immunity and alert the immune system against a certain structure, but you can also use mRNA to do the contrary, namely to suppress immunity. And this is of interest in autoimmune diseases, for example, multiple sclerosis, which is one of the indications in which we are working. And this is quite interesting because this gives us the opportunity to uh, use mRNA also in autoimmune diseases, in those areas where you need to signal the immune system to calm down, we see also a huge potential. How has the experience of working on the COVID vaccine changed how you think about what you do? It has 
not really changed how I think about what I do because of the motivation that we want to make a difference was there from the very beginning. This is why we founded companies and investing a lot of effort in understanding the science and the technology. It's very fulfilling to see that such efforts help to, to make a difference because the only thing I need to do if I need to get myself motivated is to calculate how many uh, people might have been protected from severe disease or saved from death by our vaccine. And uh, the numbers are quite impressive if uh, you keep in mind that uh, more than 200 millions have been vaccinated in the meantime. Well, may you and uh, Dr. Sahin have more celebratory cups of tea in your future. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kate. That's all for today, Monday, April 19th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.